0: I'm Maverick Peters, and this is Money with Maverick.
1: Hi, my name is Zisa Spadone. I'm in asset acquisition and development, which is a really fancy way of saying I stare at my computer screen and Excel sheets all day figuring out if a deal is a good investment. Uh, Before that, I worked in mortgages, helping people buy their dream homes, which I loved being able to do, help people realize their dreams in a healthy financial way. Uh, And before that, I worked in bookkeeping
0: Okay, Zisa Spadone, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we're gonna talk about when it comes to a spouse, right? You have a partner and you're budgeting together. Let's say one or both of you have debt. How do you manage that? How do you navigate those waters?
1: Money management is about psychology and vulnerability. So when you're approaching finances with a partner, Do not approach it clinically as, oh, it's just numbers and we're trying to get to a sum, or we're trying to see our bottom line. That's very cold and it's not gonna work well. So you gotta approach this as, this is a human being that I have chosen to dedicate my life to. They are my complete partner. So first you have to throw judgment and shame out the window. They're not going to help. And then you have to allow yourselves to both be in a space where you're wholly and uniquely vulnerable to one another. And you start with talking about your spending habits before you even get to the dollars and cents. Talk about your habits. When you have a hard day at work, are you going for a manicure? Are you going for a coffee? Are you going shopping? Are you going to an archery place? Are you going to a bar? Talk about your habits. What makes you want to spend money? Do you want to spend money because you had a hard day or because you're in a good mood or, you know, someone did something nice for you and you want to, you know, show that reciprocity? What makes you want to spend? You have to get down to that before you even get down to the dollars and cents. Then you have to speak about what kind of lifestyle you want to achieve. Now, for this part, dream big, say, I want a $2 million ranch in Wyoming or I want a beautiful mansion in Shaker Heights or you know I want a brownstone in Park Slope think as big as you want whatever your lifestyle dreams look like think that way then be realistic about where you are because You have to understand where you are to know where you want to go and you also have to live with the moment so if you want to live a two million dollar lifestyle on a $40,000 income, you're always gonna be in pain. So first you have to say, I know what I want and where I wanna be, but I also know and accept where I am right now. I can't buy the $10,000 tennis bracelet because everyone else has it. I have to see how to live within my means while enjoying how I live. Now, merging finances with a partner, it's always touchy, which is why this common respect is needed at the first. I would say, you know, there are many opinions out there, but my personal opinion is merge your finances, merge your checking accounts, merge your savings accounts, merge your retirement accounts, merge everything. Now, I would say it's an experiment from the first, right? So the first few months you're married, You know, let's say you still have your own separate accounts, you're working on that merger. Look at your expense patterns. What are you spending money on? Are you just spending money on groceries, clothes, uh, rent? What's he spending money on? Is he spending money on, you know, is it going out with friends? Is it getting pizza? Is it picking up, you know, a burger? Is it? Spending you know money on adventures, on trips, look at your spending patterns and sit down together and speak about them. They could be positive, they could be negative, you know, we've all got room to improve. But when you're trying to build a budget together, you've got to decide what are your needs and what are your wants. Now a good rule of thumb for budgeting is 50, 30, 20. 50% of your income, your take-home income, that is, should go towards your needs, your cost of living. 30% should go towards your wants. I want to eat out. I want to spend time with friends. I want to travel. I want to do A, B, and C. I want to buy a gift for a friend whose wedding I went to. 20% should be for savings, and when I say for savings, I don't mean stick $200 in an account and forget about it. You have to be smart with how you save. Save for retirement. Save for put your money in a high-yield savings account so it can grow. Save for a trip. Save for a house. Save for those things you want, so 50, 30, 20, Um, and You know, sometimes when you merge finances with partner, as you said, there's a lot of debt. You know, someone could have gone to school and they have 80,000 riding on them, you know, or someone could have, you know, they went to school and also they lived above their means. They've got 10,000 in credit card debt. Those are big and scary numbers. So first, don't approach it by saying, oh, my gosh, why did you do what you did? That's not helping anyone. Because, you know, the psychology of it is it's more complicated and you'll have to go in there in a different place. But instead say, this is what we, this is what this is what we got to deal with. You have 90,000 in debt. Now let's figure out how you got there. If you got there by overspending, let's work on addressing that. If you got there because you went to school to learn a specific skill, you have to look at the debt in a different way. Right. So if it's student debt, let's say, and you went to school for a specific skill and you are currently working hard with that new skill to earn an income, you have to think of the debt as leverage. You paid $80,000 to become an accountant to earn $100,000 a year. So think about how many months it will take to pay off that leverage that launched you into your career. So don't think of it as this big scary thing hanging over your head. Think about it instead as power. Now, you paid a price for power. How are you going to pay it down? When we're looking at credit card debt, it's a little different. There are two kinds of credit card debt. There's people who go into credit card debt because they need it to live. They can't pay their rent without putting it on their credit card. And then there's the kind of credit card debt that you accumulate from simply overspending or not spending intentionally. Imagine if every time you went and bought something, it was with a purpose. I am buying this to... Respect myself. I'm buying this to take care of myself. I'm buying this to take care of a loved one, an elderly parent. I'm buying this item to live my best life because to me, this is luxury. This is wealth. Getting that manicure, it gives me a relief I can't quantify. It's not worth dollars and cents to me. It's worth something far greater. you know, you gotta, you got to look at those items. And so often we're not spending intentionally. We're just buying, 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 buying. We're not really thinking about it. And that's so common. So I would say, look at what we're spending and figure out how to live it intentionally. I'm spending $40 on a gift set because someone did something beautiful for me. And I think this is a beautiful way to reciprocate. Now, maybe you can turn that into a handwritten letter and a phone call whatever it is. I'm buying $50 dresses every other week because shopping is the way I cope with stress. Maybe there's a better way to do that. Look into, you know, different breathing exercises, walking, talking with friends, with family, with loved ones. When you have debt and your partner has, or you're, you're debt-free, you worked hard to get debt-free, but your partner has debt, it's scary to take on their baggage, but when you get married, you're taking on all their baggage, their family drama, their nonsense, you know, who bullied them in high school, their yeshiva terrors. You're taking on everything anyways. This one just has a dollar sign attached to it. But you know that yeshiva trauma might also have a dollar sign attached to it. And, you know, your high school bullying episodes, they might also have a dollar sign or, you know, their their difficulties with their family. We're taking on everything. So just because it's got a dollar sign shouldn't make you run away. You know, if you stop being afraid of it, you can manage it beautifully and you can really grow together as a couple when you manage your finances beautifully and properly.
0: So there's for sure a reoccurring theme when it comes to personal finance, which seems to be a habit, right? When broken down, basically, it seems to be habits. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you subscribe to that notion?
1: 100%. When you are spending, it's habitual everything about money is psychological. So if you understand yourself really well, maybe you have a better grasp on your spending, but everything comes down to habit. Did you go to coffee every morning with a friend? Now, I'm not trying to pick on coffee, but this is just a good example. You know, uh, every time that you had a fight with your mom, did you go shopping with friends afterwards and that's how you coped? Or, you know, did you just... You know, did your family go out for takeout a lot? Is it just something you do? You know, when you're in the store buying, you know, groceries, do you always grab that pack of gum? Do you always grab that, you know, whatever it is that you see on the shelf that's exciting for you? We are creatures of habit, we are the sums of our actions and our decisions. So 100% rewiring your brain for financial health. That is financial health. It's not, ooh, cut back here, cut back there, make more money. That's only part of it because there are people who make $500,000 a year and are in serious debt because they can't get a grasp on their money psychology. They can't get a hold of their habits. That's where it starts. It's not about your income level. It's not about whether you're making $40,000 or $140,000. It's about how am I spending that money? What are my daily habits? What is making me spend money this way? You have to get really intentional about that. And sometimes it requires a deep dive. Sometimes it's it's difficult, but that is the only way to, to get healthy about it.
0: I love that. So in the Jewish community, whether or not you're on social media, you definitely hear about the families and the couples that travel. They go to Israel. They go to Europe. They go wherever, the mountains in the summer. <laughs> yeah. And it's fun. And it's fun hearing and s- hearing the stories and seeing the pictures from, you know, friends and family. And for a young couple, there can be pressure that maybe they should also be taking trips. 100%. Um, how can a young couple, how can they save enough for a trip at least once a year?
1: So first I'll say, social media is, it's so damaging. There's so many studies out there that upward comparison is ruining our lives. And we have to remember, what you see on the gram is so often not real. Think about yourself when you're posting. Is that a filter? Is that real life? The, your kid's smiling one minute, but the next minute they're screaming bloody murder. You know, I, I posted some Instagram stories of my, of my garden on Friday, and then the next minute A beetle flew in my face. I got stung by a bee. The rain came down. You know, think about reality for a second. So when you're looking at people's lives on Instagram, there's definitely the grass is always greener thing going on. And you have to realize that perhaps they're in a very different place of life than you. Now, as far as traveling, there are so many resources out there for travel hacking. You know, there's Pennywise Traveler. There's our very own local Dan's Deals. There are so many ways to travel without spending a cent. Uh, I'll give you an example. Last summer, my husband and I were fortunate enough. I got a week off from work. We went to Scotland. Now, everyone knows traveling to Europe, it's very expensive. How do we do it? So we both signed up for a Chase credit card. I got a $90,000 point bonus and then I referred him. And he got a $90,000 points when he signed up. And I got that $15,000 bonus. So we're looking at almost 200,000 points. We booked round-trip tickets for 70,000 points. And then Chase was running a promo with one of their travel partners, Marriott, where if you transfer points from Chase to Marriott, you get a bonus of 50%. So we transferred points to Marriott. And we got our hotel stay for the week taken care of on points. So now travel is taken care of. Lodging is taken care of. Now we just got to figure out food and activities. Now, in Scotland, there's not much kosher anyways. My husband and I packed in carry-ons only, and we brought all our food with us. Like instant, we're talking instant soups and instant teas, and we just bought like, you know, fruits and vegetables at the grocery. We tra- our, our, our food budget was not luxurious for the travel. And most of our, our activities were, were nature. They weren't anything that cost money to get into. So we essentially went on a free vacation, and it was awesome and we're doing it again this summer. My husband has a wedding in, in California. We're just going to take advantage of that. We're going to Laguna Beach, and then we're going down to San Diego for a long weekend. How are we doing it? We're paying for our flights with points. We're paying for our stay with points, and we're paying for the car rental with points, and everything in between, the food, we'll budget closely, and we'll try to keep it as similar to as what we would spend at home but that's how you do it. You, you do it smartly. Don't go into debt to travel. Don't put money on your credit card that you can't pay off. And just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that it's your time to do it, right? Um, so think smartly. There are so smartly think think about it from an educated perspective there are so many resources out there travel hack look at people who are promoting how to get there for free look at deals ascribe to the deal newsletters and and broadcast groups think about how to get points all of that one thing i'll say word to the wise when you're travel hacking and you're opening a credit card don't open a credit card If you can't afford to pay the balance every month, meaning you have a credit card and you're putting money on it, don't put more on it than your paycheck because then you're getting into trouble. So do so responsibly. Travel hacking is awesome. It can be a tremendous tool. But as with everything, do it, do it responsibly.
0: When it comes to resources, you mentioned uh, Pennywise Traveler, our local dance deals. Are there any other resources you recommend for travel hacking and budgeting in general?
1: For sure. There are a number of influencers that I could name that, you know, are, are great resources. And they'll post guides. There's there's the Pennywise Traveler. There's Female in Finance. Uh, you know, there's Dan's Deals. But there are also so many Email lists to sign up for. There's so much research to do. Learn about credit cards. Learn about travel partners. You know which card has which travel partners. Chase partners with, for instance, Marriott. Or you know they'll tra- they'll partner with certain airlines, but not others. What about Amex? Amex partners with so and so. So do a lot of research. Get educated. Write down spreadsheets and fill your notebook like you were still in high school or still in college. Um, those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head, but definitely do a lot of research. There's so much out there. Everybody's trying to travel hack. You know, even find a way that you can get a flight for free. There are so many airlines that are running promotions and for big corporations like this for these massive corporations, the $100 that might make or break your budget is nothing for them. Learn which days are best to book flights. It's Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights. Do it from an incognito window. You know, learn learn which car rental companies are going to give you the best bang for your buck, which loyalty programs they have. Uh, you know, find a parent who has a platinum level and piggyback on their membership. When I was booking hotels in Scotland, my dad traveled for business for years. I was like, "Dad, me a favor add me as a person on your account and then after i finished traveling take me off and he did and i got all these crazy premiere upgrades for nothing, they were just eager to give us these crazy upgrades, and I was like, I didn't do anything to deserve this. So yeah, get get out there, look at loyalty programs, look at these travel partners, what they're interested in, and uh, and be a part of it. You know, there's there's so much on Google, there's so much there's so much in terms of people out there who want to share their knowledge. Just go on YouTube, go on Instagram, go on Pinterest. You know, get get out there, find find out what's what's there to 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 tap into as a
0: resource. Hey, before you go, thanks for listening to this episode of Money with Maverick. If you enjoyed the show, share it with a friend. And remember to meet me over on YouTube to catch my video summary series. You can send me an email at moneywithmav at gmail.com. And for more fun content, visit at moneywithmav on Instagram. Catch you guys in the next one.